We would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of this land. We pay our respect to elders past and present, to the future generations keeping the songlines alive, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening. I'm Lauren Taylor. And I'm Simon Winkler. You're listening to City Central by Red Bull. We're passionate music fans and broadcasters based in Melbourne. Over six episodes, we look into the past, present and future of this global music city and meet a small selection of artists, labels, collectives and pioneers making Melbourne such a dynamic place. We'll be asking the questions, who are the people and what are the places that form a strong musical community? How do you create space for a safer, more inclusive scene? And how do we acknowledge a country's history in music? Yeah, because that wasn't a thing when I was growing up. It was always there, but the world wasn't looking at Melbourne for soul music. Bro, Sydney wasn't looking at Melbourne for soul music, bro. Melbourne wasn't looking at Melbourne for soul music. <laughs> Ballarat wasn't looking at Melbourne for soul music, you know? It's just like that, yeah, that's a massive change, you know? Over the past six episodes, we've taken a mini tour of Melbourne. We went back in time through legendary gigs and landmark releases. We met the artists, labels and organisations who've helped author the city's identity and who are paving the way for others to follow. This episode draws together the guests we've met during our investigations. We asked them all to reflect on Melbourne's identity, what's changed, what works and why is Melbourne so unique. Remy and Sensible Jay talk about the evolution of Melbourne from a rock-only region to a city that the world looks to for fresh ideas in soul and funk. One of the biggest changes as well is that we're seeing a generational shift we're seeing children um, of migrants, seeing um, the children of people that may have um, been seen as like true outsiders on this land, being born here and understanding their place as far as like still being settlers, but also being like we are in our settler um, role as valid as you are. You know what I mean? And we're going to tell you about that and we're going to exist in these spaces. We're going to rap going to sing we're going to do whatever um and that energy is so fresh i've been focusing a lot on like not getting caught up on what you can't do but what you can you know what i mean and just being like okay okay everything's changing everything's changing that's the world you know what i mean the world has been changing and like a lot of the the reason that we fight and the reason that we believe in what we believe in is because we want it to change so you have to be able to move with change however it occurs in your life you know the only thing that I can really stand by and really get caught up in at the moment is the change that I can personally make for the people like um, that are immediately around me, you know what I mean? And Because um, I care about so many different people. Like every struggle ties into each other, you know what I mean? And like we see that with the intersectionality um, and how we need to be supporting people. And like, for example, like us as African black people, we are indeed oppressed, you know, like very, very oppressed. On this land, we are not the most oppressed people, you know what I mean? So we know that we have to stand in solidarity with our First Nations people, you know what I mean? And, like, accept that we are settlers um, amongst, you know, the oppression and the vilification that we go through, you know? But that still doesn't change that my brothers and my sisters and my people are still oppressed um, and they're still in, like, really hard situations. The best way for me to kind of, like, change stuff right now for me is to empower those people that are from those communities, you know, that I'm in direct contact with and that I can see change for. Because 
when I start looking at everything, that's when I get fucking swamped. I got, like I said, I got to focus on what I can do, and what I can do is that right now, because like I'm broke. So I can't be out here being like, take my money here and take my money there and take my money there. And I can't trust that you're going to use my money right. You know what I mean? But I can trust that if I sit with you every day and I hold you down every day and I feed you when you're hungry and I put you in the studio in front of this mic that you don't usually have access to and I help you grind, all that kind of stuff, I can see the change. You know what I mean? I can see you grow and become who you're supposed to be and who you are supposed to be, like, you know, there's no limits. There's absolutely no limits to who you can be. And that will hopefully then be passed on, you know what I mean, to like cats in their community and they will see, you know, that there's other people that are like them that are out there killing it and doing it properly and doing it their way, you know. On a deep level, composer and electronic music pioneer Suzanne Chiani identifies the energy that builds in a location. Suzanne talks about how Melbourne resonates with a special frequency. There's a certain energy that builds in a location. I don't think we know how that happens, but it happens. I noticed it when I was in Detroit. You know, Detroit has an energy, a vortex, a, you know, a motion to it that is, that's musical. You know, the music is, is buzzing there. I don't know, you know, I haven't been to Melbourne in a while, so... Uh, I hear more and more about Melbourne, so I know something's going on there, and I can't wait to get there and, you know, be in it and feel the energy of it. We're a very mobile culture now, and, you know, if you make the opportunity, they will come. They will come, <laughs> because uh, people go where, where the opportunity is and where the culture is. So uh, what makes a music city? I think, is that dynamic of good sponsorship and making it attractive to the talents of young people. Part of it is economic. Can the kids afford to live there? Is there an economic uh, availability of, of artistic you know, access and needs? Uh, so all of that is important. Robin Fox of Melbourne Electronic Sound Studio sees their work as an extension of Melbourne's history that values diversity of ideas and sounds. There's been this kind of, um, you know, a, a feeling in Melbourne that Melbourne considers itself a very musical city. Like if you're involved in musical communities here, um, we, we all like to bang on about that, you know. And so when I first started playing gigs at the Make It Up Club 20 years ago or whatever, and, start, and I was organising gigs and, and, and doing a lot of stuff in the community, what we used to do when we programmed a show is that we'd always have um, someone from the grindcore community, someone from the free jazz community, someone from the experimental community, Im improv community, and even someone coming out of the VCA in that classical, sort of contemporary classical vein. We'd put them all on a bill together and it would feel like this kind of insane you know, um, mashup of sound where anything's possible, genre's kind of irrelevant, we're all here because we love sound and music. And, and what would happen is that you would always look at the, a concert bill and think there would at least be one thing that would appeal to you. And you'd go there and then you'd see a whole lot of things that you wouldn't have probably gone to otherwise. So this, this idea of sort of churning things up and, and, and experimentation is just in the, it's in the fabric of the Melbourne music community. So for Mess to appear here uh, and and to sort of continue, I guess, you know, this tradition of 
opening spaces for people to come and experiment with sound. It's not like we're the, we're the first people to do this in Melbourne, you know. This has actually happened before, it'll happen again and it's just, you know, Melbourne is just a, is, is a, it is a great musical city. It really is. What would a music city be without an audience to appreciate the sounds being made, asks Chris Gill of Northside Records. I think the first thing that makes a strong musical community is an audience because without an audience, the music can't bounce. And, and if music can't bounce back off people, then it really tends to fail because it just has no sounding board. And Melbourne has traditionally been a great city for supporting culture and arts and across the board too, like not just music, but, um, you know, theatre and, and um, visual art as well, all, all well supported with Melbourne. So Melbourne um, has had a tradition of people going out to see music, which is, I think, the first point. I think um, another factor is the community element of Melbourne, as mainly highlighted in community radio. Uh, there are many different community radio stations in Melbourne. Triple uh, R is uh, the biggest, and then there is like uh, many others, like PBS, which is wonderful, which uh, started off down in the south and has moved to the north of the city and its move has reflected in its sort of change of sound. It's sort of gotten a bit more sort of groove based. And then, um, you know, 3CR is there and K&D and and Joy and lots of great, great sort of uh, community stations that help, you know, each community grow. And I think, um, you know, when you, when you have communities, you can, um, yeah, you can, you can make some super source within that. Ruby Savage, head of London's Brownswood Recordings, DJ and soul music ambassador, sees freedom of expression as key to the success of a music city. Woo! No rules! <laughs> Less rules! <laughs> um, what makes a successful city? Um, I think different cultures coming together, different you know, nationalities. I think that makes music really interesting. You see that in London, it just becomes a melting pot. You see it in Melbourne even. Um, becomes a melting point. You get so much new like, energy, sometimes from the friction and sometimes from the collaboration. Like, you know, sometimes mm. negative energy can become a positive because you get resistance music, for example. It's, you know, you get together to fight what is, is, is trying to suppress you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good when, even though it can be tough, I think it's good when you have a city where it's not homogenous, you know, where there's, where there's, where there's people coming together from all over the world, um, or the land. And uh, yeah, less rules. I think um, there's this mad idea that, you know, once once it's dark, it's, it's naughty and it's dirty and it's probably illegal, you know, so we must control it. Yeah, that kind of kills this, this need to feel free. And I guess, I mean, maybe it's, I don't want to get into like conspiracy theories or anything, but, you know, maybe it is this need for government control because on in the dance, we know how it feels when you feel free and you feel empowered, you feel inspired. You know, you might you might not take the usual BS that you get in day because you you know you've got your crew, you've got your unity, um, and maybe that is something they're trying to shut down. I don't know. Maybe they are just really worried about people's health and safety. I don't know what all the rules are about. But um, I feel that it's important that there's communication between, you know, authorities, I guess, and 
promoters and venues and that there's a better understanding of you know it's not just all bad stuff that goes on in clubs i think it's what creates really good nightlife is when you when you have a city that's vibrant and energized through you know people coming through mm. making their way trying to make things happen for themselves brings a special energy in the dance yeah. and to music making to creation you know you feel that across the board that will like that will have an effect in art in fashion and food you know it's good for the all the culture Electronic musician, DJ and academic Simona Castricum agrees, citing creative resistance as key to what makes a city work. I mean, that's how queer cities emerge and that's how gender non-conforming communities emerge, is that we emerge against the grain. We're resistive in that sense. But resistive, like in, in, in terms of, you know, resistive forces don't always need to be, you know, this sort of, you know, sort of violent, negative kind of thing. They can be an extremely positive and celebratory thing as well. That's where music communities, club communities, dance communities, yeah, uh, drag communities, that's where all those things have emerged out of just by, you know, wanting to get up on a stage and wanting to tell your story or just get on the dance floor and dance it out, find someone to hook up with find a relationship and that's where all these things happen is in venues around you know for me around Collingwood and um, you know Fitzroy Brunswick. Guy Blackman and Ben O'Connor of Chapter Music are uniquely placed to know how successful cities function having worked to make Melbourne the city it is today over 25 years. Here's their reflections of what makes it all work. I guess the very first thing that comes to mind is always community radio I feel like community radio is the main reason that Melbourne has such a strong sense of community and Melbourne has, I don't want to say world-class music scene because I actually think that in some ways Melbourne is like... In a class of its own. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I think the community radio is kind of like, I think there's good music made everywhere, like everywhere, any small town, any country in the world, there is good music being made but there isn't necessarily the infrastructure for it to be heard and celebrated and for it to uh, develop. And I feel like community radio here has really enabled that to happen. Things like Meredith and Golden Plains, I I feel like the way that that festival has developed has had a a huge flow-on influence in Melbourne, this kind of uh, idea that idea that it's not like you know it's always going to sell out because it's like it's always a really great lineup and it's always a really great time but they take bigger risks on bands that they have bands who probably aren't that well known outside of melbourne play that festival who'll play to ten thousand people but I, i think i am also just i'm continually inspired by new new people on the scene by like younger kids and what they're doing like uh sam who's downstairs right now kind of filling some mail orders for us like he runs a label spoil sport records putting out seven inches and cassettes amongst the kind of like community of friends that he's a part of and i feel like there are like there's so many young people in melbourne doing things that like inspire me i came from perth to melbourne when i was a kid like when i was 21 
kind of one of the key things about Melbourne is that it's a place where people congregate from other like uh, smaller towns to pursue music as a, a passion. Mm. You know, not necessarily music as a career or a way of making money, but music as a passion. You know, that's what Melbourne represents. I used to talk about it as like the plug hole and the sink sink of Australia, like every all the things swirl around and end up in Melbourne, but because it's like the best place to live and, and make music when you just deeply care about music as self-expression, uh, as a passion. Becky Freeman, a.k.a. Sui Chen, is a multidisciplinary artist who made the move to Melbourne years ago from Sydney via several cities including London and San Francisco. Sui Chen talks about the shared values of an artistically engaged city and the unique infrastructure that makes it possible to travel easily to gigs. I think a successful music city isn't just about music. I hope I hope that it it would be like pursuing a good balance of all kinds of various community activities. Melbourne, I think, is a successful music city because you see a lot of musicians working and gigging, performing, presenting their work, and then somehow also being able to have free time or or they choose to use free time to to work on, on music that they can then perform and tour. Um, but there's so much else going on in the city that's making that function and work. So, like, infrastructure, so getting around. Like, if you had a gig and you didn't have a car but you had some gear and you lived near a tram line, you could get to the gig probably. So you could jump on a tram and, and do that and get around. If you ever have a city that's not very well connected that relies on people to have cars and then et cetera, that could be more difficult. But Melbourne's very easy to navigate in that way you know it's a it's a city that's kind of I feel like there's a lot of quite conscious people environmentally conscious people which makes it a bit of a bubble in some ways but um all in all I think that kind of that shows like a somewhat of a commitment to a a healthy kind of standard of living um I think it's really important to stay grounded in Melbourne I feel like is healthy in that way because there's been I guess support of a diverse kind of range of activities. It's not, it is, you know, pride, takes pride in its music, but it feels like there are other things that um, put that into perspective for people that are happening and nurtured in the city and, and surrounds as well. Yeah, I think if you, if you have a music city, it does say something about having free time. Like Sydney, it, by comparison, I, I noticed that people... Uh, it's changed and I didn't actually have this experience that a lot of people talk about Sydney being a bit more, you know, it's more expensive, it's more commercially focused or driven and that that impacts a whole range of things. So people can't afford to, you know, they to, to pay their rent, they have to work full time and then they have less time for their hobbies or their creative pursuits if they have them. And then that changes the whole landscape. I think that can't be underestimated, like... If you have slightly cheaper living expenses in the city, then, yeah, free time. People can do whatever they want with that free time. And that might be music. So I think that must play a big part. And think about cities like Berlin as well, where people kind of romanticise. And I know that Berlin has changed a lot, especially with, like, tech companies kind of moving in and basing themselves out of Berlin. I'm sure that's changed the cultural landscape a lot. But um, I think the desire for people to move there was largely about having a free time to be themselves. Um... And then to do do the the things that they really wanted to do, not not just be focused around making money and working. Neil Morris.
Community leader, broadcaster and recording artist Dreaming Now says that a strong music community relies on the acknowledging and honouring of Melbourne's traditional custodians. For me, it does really start with custodians of a particular land setting out as the leaders of music on their country and to be acknowledged by all people in music within that because ultimately we're interfering in the transmission of song lines within their country by bringing introduced energy into that space. So for me, that's definitely where it all needs to start in terms of getting things um, right in the most powerful of way and just really thinking about the order of things in terms of that power and that beauty and what it's actually meant for this land for thousands of years. You know, these songs were deeply entwined with this landscape. And there's no reason why that can't be the case again. It absolutely can be, and we can all play a role within that, within the music community. Melbourne musician Georgia Flippo, a.k.a. G-Flip, also believes that Melbourne's success lies in a combination of factors, including the sharing of knowledge amongst artists. Um, Melbourne. There's a lot of things I really, really like about Melbourne. I find every time that I come back to Melbourne, I'm like, ah, I'm home. I think Melbourne has a really thriving and a really good music scene. All the community radio stations and the culture and the venues that are open and the gigs and even Melbourne Music Week. Before I started my career, I attended some of the seminars at Melbourne Music Week. I went to um, Jen Clower puts on an I Manage My Music course for anyone that's trying to make it in the music industry. She does that down in Collingwood. And it's all really helped me in my career. So I'm sure that it's had an impact on a heap of other musicians who have who are trying to get somewhere or trying to make it somewhat in the music industry. I think we have a lot to offer and we those things really do help more than you know. You've been listening to City Central by Red Bull. That brings us to the end of this journey, but only the beginning of the next chapter for Melbourne's ongoing evolution. Thanks for joining us. City Central was created by Lauren Taylor and Simon Winkler with additional production assistance by Matthew Wilson and music by Andrush.